0: It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Isn't it kind of nice to get back to normal? I mean, this is the first week I can think of to where I don't feel like I have to go watch the, the stock market every two to three minutes. And I know that sounds extreme, but... Things had gotten to the point that um, I was even going home and trying to convince my wife to let me buy a TV for the office so I could put it on CNBC to watch the crazy swings in the stock market. And you know things are crazy when that's going on, because if if you're talking about what's happened in the past, I'm the guy that I could, even though I'm a financial advisor and do this on a day-to-day basis, I could go a day without knowing what's going on in the market until I just happened to go on Yahoo Finance the next morning to see if we'd closed up or, or down, because really, when you get look at investing in the long term, it doesn't matter what's going on on a day-to-day basis. But but we kind of got to these extreme movements where we were moving you know 10% a day. That, that's insane. But um, I, I kind of think it's nice that we've gone back to normal. If you're joining us for the first time, this is The Money Guy Show. I'm your host, Brian Preston. If you want to go check us out on the web, you can go to money-guy.com. If you want to email the show, you can email me at brian, that's b-r-i-a-n, at money-guy.com. By day, I am a fee-only wealth manager down here on the south side of Atlanta. I'm a certified public accountant, a certified financial planner, and a personal financial specialist, which means that I just am a CPA that does financial planning. What we're going to be talking about today, this is a good one. I'm going to read you an email, and, and it'll kind of frame why we're talking about this today, is we're going to be talking about objective term life insurance advice. And, and, I, and I, you remember, I don't sell life insurance. That part about me being a fee-only financial advisor is I do not sell insurance products, um, but I'm going to give you some, some general information on it. Let me tell you how we kind of backed into this. I got an email from um, one of my listeners. His name is Jeff, and Jeff wrote this. He said, Brian... I understand the podcast is a hobby and not a moneymaker for you, and I do enjoy listening to the show, but I also want to take a moment to give you some feedback on it. I've listened for quite a long time, and I very much prefer the older shows, which are longer and had way more depth to the content. I felt that they helped people with long-term planning, um, like life insurance and et cetera. Uh, I think the older shows took considerably more time and effort to prepare, but in my opinion, they were well worth it. The recent shows are talking about... Current events. Much like a speed bump, current events can be uncomfortable in the short term but are in the rear view mirror before you know it, in perspective of a lifetime. Also, provides too much opportunity for you to opine about the current market conditions and sentiment. No offense intended, but opinions based on the short term are frequently wrong and not terribly relevant in the long term anyway. In closing, keep up the good work and please let me know... Um, what's going on. He'd written me about some other issues. So I took care of that for Jeff, and I, I want to kind of talk to that because I think he's got a great point, and it's true. The the primary purpose of this show, remember, is I'm trying to lead a movement. I'm trying to start something from the grassroots that's different from anything else out there is where I'm trying to give you free objective advice about your personal finances, and that's that's unique. And we kind of had to get off track a little bit instead of me giving you free financial advice every week. We started talking about investing in the stock market, and the reason I had done that was because I felt like we needed a voice that was different than what you were getting on the nightly news and by watching CNBC or, or Fox Business where they're focusing so much on the market swings that they were kind of not letting you get into the big picture. And I was trying to to give you a voice a reason that would be level-minded, to, to not tell you to, to freak out, not to sell everything just because your stomach was hurting and you wanted that, that instant comfort that cash came. But now that we've gotten back into... I don't know how long we're going to stay where it's 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 stable, but now that we've got to some semblance of of being normal again, I want to get back on point. And I, I think Jeff has a great point, and and let's talk about life insurance. And the reason life insurance is so important is because when I first talk to somebody uh, about their financial situation, th- there's a there's a few quick things I ask them. I first ask if you have kids. Do you have wills? And the reason I ask that, and this is so important, if you don't get anything from the show, remember this. If you do have children, please make sure that you have wills so that if you pass away, the state's not going to decide what happens to your children because that is such a scary, scary thing for me. You've got to make sure you discuss guardianship, who's going to be the one that steps in and takes over. And I have a lot of friends and a lot of clients that I talk to, and they don't talk about this stuff because, let's face it, it's hard. They they, they don't talk about it because... They, they, the, the husband and wife do not agree with each other on which family members should get the children. And if you can't agree while you're alive, what do you think is going to happen if you pass away and you don't even have a voice in that decision anymore? The state's not going to know what to do because they know your situa- you know your situation much better than the state does. So if anything from this show, even though we're going to be talking about life insurance, if you have children, please, please have wills. The second thing I always ask about it's because we're talking about the foundation of your financial future. If you walk out of a, a you know, an office building if you and I sat down and you got hit by a bus or you got into a car accident, the next thing I ask is what happens if you leave this planet today, is your family going to be taken care of? And that's talking about life insurance. And that's what we're going to be talking about today because life insurance is, is, is there to kind of make sure that your obligations and your loved ones are taken care of in case something does happen to you. Just like you buy car insurance if you in case you're in an accident, you need to have life insurance on yourself in case something happens to you as well. Now, we're going to be talking about, I broke this into several categories and talking points, and we're going to kind of put those out there on the website. If you go to money-guy.com, we have show notes that are going to kind of keep you um, Post it and provide links to, to other things we talk about on the show. And remember, always on the Money Guy show, is you can go on to the Money Guy website. And you can enter your email address so that whenever we do update the show notes, you can just get those um, show notes blasted out to you so you can keep up to things, keep up with things very easily and know whenever I put new content. Because you know, and I'll tell you, it's probably going to happen as we go through between now and Christmas, when we get the holiday season, we probably won't be doing a, a weekly show. It might drop to, to every other week while we're in the holidays. That way when we get to January, we're refreshed and we can get back to doing a weekly show for everybody. Because hopefully... We'll get to to where it's normal around the financial markets too but let's talk about the difference between term versus permanent insurance and when i talk about permanent insurance i'm talking about whole life insurance i'm talking about variable universal life which is vul insurance i'm talking about universal life those are all permanent meaning they have cash value and term insurance has no cash value meaning that um, what you pay for the insurance is what is you're paying for insurance and that's it there's no investment side to what you're buying. And you hear that and you're like, well, wait a minute. If I'm just, if, you know, that doesn't sound great to me because I'm just paying for the insurance. I'm not getting inv- I want the, something that's got an investment. No, if you want to invest, don't do it through insurance products. Because I always say, this is the simple things. I try to keep things very simple to people. I say, if you're buying something, if you're using insurance as an investment product, what do you think the insurance companies are going out there and using your money to buy? They're going out there and buying stocks, Bonds, cash, the same thing you would go invest your money, in. the difference is is that you're going to pay a lot more in commissions and fees by buying your insu- by, by doing your investments through insurance because consider this term insurance, how do insurance agents get paid? Insurance agents when you buy term insurance, they're going to get depending upon if they're independent agents working for a company or if they're just, you know, or if they're captured agents working specifically for one insurance company or if they're independent agents um, getting paid out. If they're captured agents, they're probably getting paid 50% of your first, pre- first year premium because they got bosses ahead of them that are going to get a piece of the pie as well. Um, if they're independent agents, they could get as much as probably 85% of your first year premium. So if you think about Term insurance, right now, I went in there and ran, I'm about to turn 35 in the next month. If I, um it, it, to buy $500,000 of life insurance on myself, assuming good health, 20 um, year level term, it's gonna cost me uh, $250 a year, if you're considering really good superhuman health. Uh, so my agent's going to make eighty five percent just using the best you know highest most expensive case scenario he's going to make eighty five percent of that two hundred and fifty dollars if I go buy permanent insurance that same policy is probably going to cost me let's just say it costs a thousand dollars a year um, now you do eighty five percent of a thousand dollars you can see how that's that's a good bit higher than eighty five percent of two hundred and fifty dollars and that and that's that's what you've got to think about. Is that you've got a lot of hands in the pot. If you're going to invest, you don't have those same hands. If you go buy a no-load index mutual fund, you know that has an internal expense of 0.10 percent, then you're, it's practically free compared to paying those high fees when you when you invest through an insurance company. Now, whole life and universal are going to have just that set payment to to the insurance agent. When you get to variable products like variable universal life it's um it's also got investment fees we got sub account fees we've got you know you could be you could end up paying three to six percent annually of sub account fees that you just don't need to be paying and you could just have that money in an index mutual fund so I suggest people I know it sounds simple and it sounds boring, but you use term insurance to to provide for your insurance needs and then you go invest the difference. you don't have to go buy. Insurance that is going to cover both your life needs, you know, replacing income, as well as covering your investment. I like to keep those segments separated. Where I go buy from an insurance agent, but I need an insurance, and then I go invest the difference, and because I think I can do a much more efficient job since I don't have so many hands in the in the in, in the pie that are taking cuts of, of the money that that I could be investing and in growing the assets and keeping in my back pocket. So. We're going to focus on term life insurance. In term life insurance, let's talk about what's appropriate. Term life insurance is appropriate for people who want life insurance only for a limited term. And that's most people because insurance is going to be used, um, for instance, so that you can make sure if something happens to you tomorrow that your children are taken care of, that they're grown adults and, and they have enough to provide for their needs like education and also to help you in case you pass away if you have a spouse that you needs to have money for retirement. Term life insurance has become incredibly more affordable because we're living longer and because everybody is living longer the cost of insurance has gone down significantly and i've already kind of let that that cat out of the bag in the fact that a half million dollars a term life insurance can cost as low as $250 for 20 year level term meaning when i say 20 year level term that means that insurance rate is going to be the same annual premium every year for 20 years so if it's 250 this year next year will be 250 you know 18 years down the road it's going to be 250 it makes everything very simple uh, if you think about how much cheaper because i say it's gotten cheaper because we're all living longer if you'd have bought the same policy for a 35 year old back you know in the, the early 90s you'd have probably been paying close to a thousand dollars for the same policy you now can get for the 250 to 350 dollar price range incredible how the the that you know advances in modern medicine have allowed us to now get much cheaper insurance and it's also a competitive marketplace so there are really some great deals so let's talk about how much is enough and when you're talking about life insurance especially specifically term life insurance there's three different things you've got to take think about you got to think about income replacement You've got to think about covering debt and future obligations. And when I'm talking about debt, I'm talking about mortgages. Uh, you know, if you've got mortgages and other things that you do, if you're if you worried about, if you pass away, you don't want to leave behind those things to your loved ones and not have a way to pay for it. Um, income replacement, as I've already talked about, you know, you need to make sure that you've got loved ones that are going to be taken care of for for the next 10 to 15 years. And now we're, let's talk about, you know, income replacement specifically, and then we'll move on to, to the other things. Income replacement, if you think about it, let's talk about some harsh realities. And I know this stuff is morbid to discuss, but if you pass away between, um, you know, it, when you're in your 20s and you're in your 30s, realistically, your spouse will probably remarry within a three to five year period. Now, if you if you pass away while your spouse is in their 40s or 50s, that time horizon kind of spreads out. I don't, you know, it, the, there's a, a period there where you don't see a lot of people remarrying when they're in their 40s and 50s. But then as something magical happens, once um, people get in their 60s and 70s, is once again, if you lose a spouse in your 60s or 70s, they, um, you remarry typically in another three to five year period. It's, it's kind of a unique thing about, you know, human behavior. So I, I try to tell people a good rule of thumb is that if you, when you're by, talking about how much insurance is enough, is that you want to provide 10 to 15 years worth of income if a breadwinner dies. And, and a good rule of thumb that you hear people talk about all the time is 8 to 10 times your annual earnings. So if you've got somebody who makes $60,000 a year, you know that's $600,000. You've got somebody who makes $100,000 a year, you'd go look at a million-dollar policy. And, and you'd be surprised at how affordable... You can go buy that that coverage to to replace that income and make sure that you don't leave a loved one, you know, just sitting on the sidelines and not having anything to 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 cover, um, you know, what you're generating in income. So income replacement is very important. Second, you've got to think about covering debt, and I've kind of already hinted at this. If you um say you, you've just gotten married, and, and your spouse and you don't have children yet but y'all do have a mortgage that's a $175,000. Well, if that's the case and both of you are still working, um you know, if you pass away tomorrow, nobody is counting on your income. If your spouse is still working because they, you know, they've got their own income, but they might need your income to cover the debt. That that mortgage that y'all acquired when you bought the house together. So you probably want to make sure that you have enough life insurance to at least pay off that mortgage, so you'd want to make sure you go out and buy two hundred thousand two hundred and fifty thousand to cover that life and you know to cover that mortgage and that debt that you guys have built up while you've been married let's talk about also you know future obligations say you have children and you want to make sure that your children don't have to make the dreaded decision if you pass away prematurely and you want to provide for their college. take that into account there's nothing wrong with making sure you have enough life insurance to cover their future needs, to get that college education that you've desired for them. So I always say take into account covering debt and their future obligations, like you know, paying for college for the kids or grandkids, whatever your goals might be. The third thing to take into account is human value. And the perfect example of human value is if you have a, a spouse that stays at home with the children. If you have a, a husband, if you have a wife that stays at home and you've chosen that they're going to stay at home to, to help raise the children. Sure, they might not produce any income because you're, you're the one, the, the breadwinner that's producing income. But there's definitely human value. And that's why I'll go ahead and tell you personally, um, my wife does stay at home with our daughter. And I have gone out and I've bought a $250,000 policy on her. Just because I know if something should happen to her, I would I would first want a little bit of help to cover the the mortgage. But second, I would probably be so devastated that it's going to take months to be where I can be an efficient um, worker again to to provide income. Plus, you got to think about even if if I could go to work the week after she passed away, I've got you know you've got to have childcare to take taken care of. So you need to have a cushion there that recognizes. The value of that non-working spouse—that human value—and and and, you, you know—and it's so cheap. I bought my wife two hundred fifty thousand dollars of life insurance, and I think because she's like superhuman in her health, because she works out and runs and does all kind of other things, I think two hundred fifty thousand dollars was like. One hundred and thirty five one hundred and forty dollars it was amazing how cheap that policy was, and it's almost you cannot afford to not have life insurance on your loved ones. so those are the three things if you're trying to keep it you know in your head if you're if you're riding into work or if you're exercising right now, you need to, if you're trying to figure out how much is enough, a good rule of thumb is eight to ten times your earnings if you're talking about replacing income. You also can talk about covering debt. And your future obligations, and then number three is human value. So if you take account take into account those three things, you'll probably be very covered. You know, you'll be able to come up with a number that can help you figure out how much term life insurance you need to buy. Let's talk about group versus individual policies. A lot of you now you probably a lot of you get fifty thousand dollars at work from your employer, and you're like, wait a minute, is Brian psychic? How does he know that I get $50,000 at work? The reason you get $50,000 at work for free, typically, is because that's how much the IRS lets your employer give to you, and they give a tax deduction to your employer for $50,000 annually. Now, anything above and beyond $50,000, um, the government kind of restricts how much deductibility your employer gets to provide to you. So what an employer will typically do is they will offer you supplemental Group life insurance that you can buy through work. And, and I tell people, you probably, if you're in great health, well, you do, if you're in good health, you want to buy an individual policy and not buy from your employer. And you say, well, why is that the case, Brian? And the reason is, is because anything group, just like your health insurance it's group, they have to make sure that they price things to cover everybody so if you have somebody who works at your office, and no offense to my smokers that are listening, but if you have a, if you work at an office building and, you know, there, there's five employees at this office, and four of them are, you know, taking smoke breaks, and then you're the person that doesn't take smoke breaks, you're going to be paying a much higher premium under that group policy than if you, you know, went out and got an insurance policy where you don't have any smokers that you're being lumped in with and having to help cover the high costs of their insurance. So it's much better if you go buy your own individual policy if you're healthy. Now, if you're unhealthy, if you know there's some some issues, maybe you have family history where you've lost your parents at an early age or you know there's health concerns like diabetes and other things, you might want to buy group insurance because it's probably going to be cheaper for you because if you have a tr- trouble getting underwritten individually, Group insurance is going to be great to give you insurance coverage because it's part of a group policy. So keep those two things in mind. Also, think about this with group versus buying the policy separately by yourself. You leave employment, say, either through getting fired or you retire or you just decide you don't want to work there any longer. It's much more portable. Matter of fact, it is completely portable. If you go buy an individual policy yourself, it's not tied to your employer whatsoever. So who cares who you work with With that policy, as long as you send them their annual premium payment, it doesn't matter who you work with. So it gives you that portability that you're not tying your life insurance with your employer, which I think is a very, very valuable thing. Now let's talk about how do you shop for insurance. I'm going to give you a website because this is this is so simple, and 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 I know this gentleman very well, as I have a friend. Named Michael Gassis. And I'll tell you I use Michael for my own personal insurance. We I've bought some policies through Michael. I've known Michael. I went to high school actually with his with his daughter and have known him pretty much my entire life. But Michael Gassis is I'm gonna give you a website because he has a great tool on his website, and this is this is the reason I'm throwing his name out is because you can go use this tool and shop for insurance premiums, term insurance premiums right on his website without even typing in, you know, any personal information. You can just go play around on his website and see how cheap term insurance is. But go to michaelgassesagency.com. And if you, if you don't know, if you're having trouble spelling that, you can type it in on Google or you can just go to money-guy.com and I'm going to have a link to, to the tool that, that Michael has. And what you can do if you go on this website is you can type in your age, you know, your sex, you know, if you're male or female, and then how much insurance you need. And it'll ask you your height and weight and other things, and it will immediately print you know pull up on the screen how much that insurance will cost with a a a group a whole batch of different insurance providers, so you can go look at them all and see who they are and I think that's a great tool, but you know to go look on the the internet and see how much insurance costs but this is the thing about insurance that you have to think about, and this is the dirty little secret about insurance that most people don't know; they think it's just like I buy my electronics typically through the internet. And the reason I buy my electronics through Amazon and buy.com and other places is because it's cheaper than going to Best Buy or Circuit City or any of the brick and mortar places. And so that kind of translates, you think, the listeners, because a lot of you guys are obviously very tech and internet savvy yourself. And a lot of us think when you buy through the internet, man, am I getting a deal? Well, the thing is, is that state insurance regulators kind of control, I know they do in Georgia for sure, they control how much insurance premiums are uh, You know, for everybody. So it doesn't matter if you buy it from the internet, if you buy it from a personal agent, you're going to have the exact same premium. Ta-da, there. There's the difference. There's no price difference whatsoever. But here's the problem when you buy insurance, if you go to some of these websites like insure.com and others, is that if you have a problem with your print, you know, say say you met, you know you have trouble with the underwriting, you're having trouble getting, you know, rescheduling things, or if you have a trouble with the premium payment, you need to call and hold somebody accountable for customer service. Who are you going to call when you buy from a website? Yeah, that, that, that blank air there is because you don't know. You'll have a one-eight hundred number. And you know how one eight hundred numbers work. Typically you get somebody who's fresh out of college or they or they either they could care less about what your problems are. And that and that concerns me because with something as important as life insurance, remember what I told you is that two things I want you to gather this, you've got to have wills if you have children. And second, got to make sure you have enough term insurance to protect your loved ones. So you want to have somebody, if you have problems, this is so important, you want to have somebody you can hold, hold accountable. So that's why I say you want to buy from an actual agent. Since you're not getting a discount from buying from the Internet, why not actually have a name and a number you can hold accountable? And, and, and that's why I always say buy from an agent. You can go shop things on the Internet, but buy from an agent. And, and Michael does a good job, and that's why I throw his name out there because he does service. He can sell insurance in all 50 states as far as I know. Um, So you can go play around on his tool, you know, on on the tool that I'm going to put on the website. And you can also, if you decide you don't have any insurance connections, you don't have a brother-in-law or or a family member who sells insurance, feel free to throw some business on Michael's way. I think he does a really good job. And I don't get paid for telling you that. I I want you to know that. There's no conflict here. I just think he does a good job. And let me say this, too, about insurance agents. Michael is, I think Michael is, Bo, what do you think? He's in in his 59. So he's about to turn 60. So Michael's very established in his career. There's a difference in dealing with agents that are young and hungry versus an established agent. And I, and I hope I, my, my, my insurance listeners don't get mad at me for saying this, but it is true. If you're selling insurance, I, I will tell you, I've, been, I've worked on the commission side of being um, a financial advisor, and I can, I can vouch for this to a degree, is when you're young and hungry, meaning you don't have a book of business already, you don't have a, enough clients that you can pay your monthly bills very easily, you're, you're hungry and you're trying to pay the bills. You're trying to put groceries on the table. Everybody starts looking like they need a little bit more insurance or a little bit more you know, investment products that pay a higher commission when you're hungry because, you're, like I said, you're trying to provide for the family, so you're doing everything you can to, to, to kind of you know increase your income if you're that agent. Whereas an established agent like Michael, I'll be honest, Michael probably, I've sat down with him on um, with some clients on long-term care and other things, and he has point blank said, hey, you don't need it. Don't buy it. I wouldn't buy it for myself, so you don't need to buy it. And that's kind of refreshing, and that's what you get sometimes with more established agents is that they get to the mature part of their, their career where money, they've already got a book of business. They've already got enough residual income coming from past insurance products that they sell that... They don't care if you buy or sell. To be, I mean, they don't care if you buy the insurance or not because it's just not going to impact if they can pay gro- buy groceries for the family, or you know, or pay for any of the things that a hungry agent has. So they're going to be more objective. They're going to give you more open advice. And so I always tell people if you're buying from an insurance agent. Buy it from somebody who's been established, who's been in the industry for a long time because they're not trying to pay for groceries. They they probably are established, have enough money that they really don't care. It's not going to make or break their life if you buy that insurance product, and that gives them a, a, a sense of, of objectivity. Of, you know, It's going to give them the ability to um, give you really open and honest advice about where you stand. I'm trying to think of anything else I need to add about insurance that, that I, I think... That would add value to you. Yeah, I think the biggest things is I think term insurance is is much more necessary than permanent. Now, here's the only exception is when you do buy a term and you're one of those people. Maybe you have a family history of diabetes or other things, and you're worried that you're not going to be insurable. In ten to fifteen years or five years or you know, whatever you're worried that maybe your health will take a turn for the worse. Do make sure that the company you're dealing with with all-term insurance is very strong financially. You want to go make sure that you go look at their their financial strength rating and go look at um go look at firms like AM Best. That's a that's a rating agency that goes out there and looks at the financial statements of insurance companies and gives a rating. And you want to buy the strongest companies you can afford, because for several reasons. First, you want to make sure that if something does happen to you ten to fifteen years down the road, that that company is going to be you know financially strong enough that they can pay you very easily. But also, with term insurance, most term policies can be converted to permanent insurance without going through additional underwriting, meaning that it's going to cost you a lot more, but you can convert term insurance into permanent insurance if you find out later that you, you are uninsurable, meaning maybe you have a heart condition, you have diabetes or other things that are just going to make it impossible or very hard for you to get additional insurance. And if that's the case, you want to have that insurance with somebody who is financially strong. You want to have a company that you're not going to be worried that they're going to get into to, to trouble and are not going to be able to to cover all the needs that you might have. So be very careful in um, looking at the financial stability and strength of a company. I think that it can't be written down. You've got to put value to the financial strength of that company. So I think think that's an interesting thing and something that will add value. So I hope that this discussion, getting away from the investments, it sure is nice to have a week where we made 10% last week and we can get back to focusing on financial planning because that is – what I want to do. I want to kind of restore order to your financial chaos. I want to go beyond common sense. I want to give you the advice that you're not getting any wealth anywhere else out there. And what I need from you, if you like the advice I'm giving, if you like that you don't have to go pay for an insure, you know, pay for advice to get this objective information, you know, leave us leave us some feedback out there on iTunes. Tell your friends and family about the Money Guy Show because we're not going to be able to grow without you. We're not a corporation. We're not tied to the Wall Street Journal. We're not tied to Kiplinger's or other places. We need you guys to be part of our grassroots movement to help us grow. Thanks so much for listening to The Money Guy Show. I hope you've enjoyed it. Looking forward to talking to you guys in the next week, week and a half. I'll talk to you soon. I'm your host, Brian Preston. The Money Guy Podcast is hosted by Brian Preston, and Brian Preston is a partner with Preston and Cleveland Wealth Management.